There is such a thing called conscious consciousness. In terms of consciousness. In terms of consciousness. What consciousness is. You're listening to Explain the Brain from the Mind Science Foundation. It's a little show that asks big questions about our minds. Today we're going to take you back a little bit to the time when thoughts in your head first started to become words. First you started out with water wings. First you started out with water wings? And then went to the deep end. This is Noah. He's four. Four and a half. He's a pretty tough kid. Sometimes I fell. And he had a bit of an adventure this weekend. He took a trip to the beach with his grandparents. We drive a car. They drive a car. Then he and his cousin were playing in the ocean. We were splashed and there was like a wave that drummed over our heads. They were splashed and there was like a wave that cummed over their heads. This creative verb use, last weekend we drived, the wave cummed, it's something just about all kids do. And it offers some hints about how we learn to talk. Jean Burko Gleason is a Boston University psycholinguist, a psychologist of language. Back in the 1950s, she started thinking about kids like Noah and their rules for language. But what I'm best known for, obviously, is the wug chest. Wugs are little imaginary creatures. A wug looks a little bit like a little blue birdie of some sort. They're, they're quite cute. I drew them myself. She'd show these wugs to young children. We said, this is a wug. Show them a little wug. Now there's another one. There are two of them. There are two. Now, really little kids, they'd say there are two wug. But once they got around Noah's age, kids automatically knew how to pluralize this totally foreign word. They'd say, there are two wugs. Burko Gleason made up a bunch of words, and she got kids to use these words in the past tense, the progressive, the possessive. Like she'd say, this is a man who likes to bod. What did he do yesterday? And they'd say, he bodded. See, made up words, they prompt kids to use their most go-to grammar rules. And the general finding is that children learn the most general cases first. Like adding a s sound to the end of a word to make it plural. Two wugs. Or adding an ed to a word to make it past tense. More complicated verb forms, they grasp those later. Burko Gleason found that pretty much all kids pick up grammar skills in pretty much the same order. Learning the simple rules first, then the more complex ones, and then the weird exceptions. They may do it at different ages, but order doesn't vary that much. Kids do it pretty much the same way. Things got a little more complicated when she started having kids of her own. What happened was that when one of my kids was three, and she came home from nursery school, and she said, my teacher holded the baby rabbits and we patted them. And I said, oh, she held the baby rabbits. And she said, yes, she holded the baby rabbits. Virgo Gleason kept saying held, and her daughter kept saying holded. And I was thinking to myself, well, here all these people think that children learn by imitation. If they learn by imitation, why is she saying holded, which none of us has ever said? She calls this over-regularization, when kids add the most typical ending to a word, making the past tense of hold, holded. Like what Noah was doing with drived and cummed. So that's clear evidence where you see kids adding the regular endings onto words that typically don't take those endings. You know that something's going on in their head. To figure that out, Burko Gleason devised another test. I gave kids pictures and I told them what the answer was. I said, This is a goose, now there are two geese. So she'd point to the one goose picture and ask them, What's this? And they'd say, Goose. 
And then she'd point to the two geese and say, What are these? And they'd say two gooses. So that even if you give them the answer, they're going to give you their form and not the one they hear from you. It's not all imitation. They are making their own rules in their head. Their brains aren't just collecting new words. They're building a whole internal system for language. A lot of people ask, is language a separate faculty or is it part of your general cognitive armamentarium? And That's a word. I know. It's pretty good, isn't it, armamentarium? Uh, but, but that's not a subtle question. The question is, do human brains have some unique property that allows for language? Or are language skills just part of our general intelligence? She says she doesn't think language is some separate human ability. But I am convinced that human language is, is pretty special, although it's on a continuum. You know, I, I think that the more we know about other animals, the more we appreciate the skills that they have. But I think even though we may come with the predisposition to acquire language, we're not going to do it unless we have appropriate interaction with other people. And the quality of that interaction does make a difference in what the ultimate product is. She says human language is a skill we get from interacting with other humans. So when kids have better conversations with adults, they can build better systems for language in their own heads. For Explain the Brain, I'm Audrey Quinn. If you like the show, let us know. And one way you can do that is by rating us on iTunes. 